Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the HP Podcast. I'm Ben, and with me here today are two of the most handsome men you've ever seen in your entire life, starting off with Brandon, the most glorious ginger, Duncan. Hello. How are you, sir? I'm doing all right, Ben. How are you? I'm doing great. Um, you're looking mighty suave in your PlayStation hoodie. Got Japanese text. I've always been really jealous of that hoodie, specifically the uh, the hood, the hood of the hoodie. High quality. Insert coin. Everything but the E. Just the hood. I'm really a fan the of The hoodie. Yeah. Yeah, um, no, it's a it, it's a great little garment. Garment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Are, are you from the nineteen thirties, yeah. my sir? Is it not, Ben? It is I mean it is a great all garment. Yeah. Yeah. Pair them put them together with your pantaloons and we sure. want ourselves a party. You wouldn't even know if I was wearing pantaloons right now, boys. We were just talking about that earlier. It's a little different than what we were talking about, but yeah, it's close. Can you imagine, like, Dave, <laughs> can you imagine, hello, Dave, first of all, greetings to you, my friend. How you doing? I'm doing right. Can you imagine being alive in the era where pantaloons were a thing and um, you had to wear them? Like, can you just imagine the self-respect you would lose for yourself? But what is a pantaloon? Is it different than pants? Like, do they just have a different name for pants? Or is yeah, it I mean, I think that's where they got the, the name for them. Let me, I'm going to look up pantaloons on google what is the meaning of pantaloon close fitting trousers usually having straps passing under the instep and worn especially in the 19th century they look rather tight and then some of them are more fluffy and then looks like pirates wore them so oh god that was a sexy pirate i didn't oh, mean god, to see he um, didn't mean to see didn't mean sure. to see that sure that's not where I thought you were going with that. I honestly thought you were going to say, like, wouldn't it be funny if you didn't realize I wasn't wearing pants? And then I'm like, all right, I'll be right back. And then my bare ass cheeks as I walk away. <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't be the wildest thing that's happened. Um, on the, well, no, that would be the wildest thing that's happened on the show, actually. People don't know what we did in the audio only days. I know. They'll but, never know uh, either. They'll never know. We have, our, we have our secrets. Basically, <laughs> keep it secret. Keep it safe, I guess. Uh, Hulk Hogan says handsome Phantom Mania is running wild, Jack. That's true. Welcome on in, Hulk Hogan. I was hoping he was going to show up today. <laughs> yeah, he's um, 
he's around sometimes, you know, you can't, he, Hulk has a lot of extra spare time uh, and money now that the Gawker thing is settled. I don't even know what happened with that. I'm just talking. Um, but this is the HP podcast. We talk about video games from time to time and hang out with you fine, lovely folks. You can join us either through audio on Wednesdays if you are a patron at the $1 tier or more. But for as little as a dollar a month, you can get access to the show ad-free and early. And if you would prefer to not pay us, which is you know totally your prerogative, I suppose, uh, the show comes out Thursday. If you are uh, one to check us out, we are on YouTube every week on Tuesday nights. Ben is Handsome YT. Uh, is the channel and sometimes well tonight we're uh, we're also streaming on twitter uh because Streamyard allows for it and we're paying for the ability to do so if it doesn't work out that's fine but you know maybe you're watching this there too you can't ever be too sure about these things if you want to hang out with us somewhere other than the show you can go over to our discord at handsomephantom.com slash discord anybody can join there whether you're a patron or not we appreciate you and we thank you for hanging out we've had some I think this feet thing has gone too far, guys. I don't know. <laughs> we played in, we played into it for weeks, Ben, so you cannot be that angry. I I remember a time we could play back the clips. I said, enough with the feet. It's getting bigger than us, Ben. And uh, you didn't you, you didn't listen. You didn't listen. You doubled down for weeks. For weeks. I made a mistake. Guys, the so I was on a, an episode of Constellation, uh, which is a podcast that the company LSM that I work for does. And um, this hasn't come out yet. It'll come out in a couple weeks. Uh, but one of the topics was shoes. Oh, no. And uh, I was not alone in hating people showing their feet in sandals. See, and flip-flops. even now you can't help yourself what to talk about. <laughs> event. This is exactly the problem that I'm outlining and what I said a, a, a few moments ago. Well, all I can say is thank God we're not bigger because we'd have people sending us pictures of real feet instead of just like emojis and stuff, you know? Yeah, that would be awful. Don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) Please don't get more people to watch the show. We would hate that. We would hate for the entire foot fetish feet finder community to come over to our show and support us. We would absolutely hate that if we were a foot. Wait, wait, wait. uh, uh, It's better than furries. Is there a feet finder community? Is that a thing? Uh, Probably. I mean... It is. It is a community. I know that there's a foot fetish community. Yes, I'm aware of that disgusting fact. I mean, it's uh, like honestly, if, if it's if it's legal, whatever, do what you want, except for feet, and you should be burned at the stake, in my opinion. So there are Toyota Corolla enthusiast clubs. So I'm pretty sure there are feet finders communities oh, yeah. out there. Somewhere. I want to know specifically if feet finder was like a subreddit that you were part of or something. We random. can Google it. Nope. No, okay. Um, I think we've spent enough time on this. <laughs> um, I'm going to be honest. I'm going to vote to uh, adjourn, the voice of reason ad- once again. Adjourn the the foot talk. Thank you. Um, one of the things they teach you in business school, obviously, uh, is you should never tell the internet the thing you hate. Um, and but the thing they don't tell you is that that's good for engagement mm, uh, if you do tell them. So I you see, know, I'm not saying I'm just fishing here, but if I was, I wouldn't be doing it with my feet. Yeah, you just caught a foot. Guys, you want to talk about some video games? We don't have that interesting of stuff to talk about. Because it's, you know, it's that time of year. We probably should. But we're going to make it interesting because we're interesting. And that's what my mom said. And that's what I'm going with. (laughs) Number one, Hogwarts Legacy. The hottest topic of the entire year. Actually, it was the best-selling game of the entire year. So I guess there's some truth to that. Hogwarts Legacy has performed exceptionally well on the Nintendo Switch. Dave? 
becoming the third best-selling release on the platform in 2023. Despite being released on other platforms over nine months ago, the game's success on the Switch has propelled it to the number one spot on the UK box charts, surpassing titles like Call of Duty. Why did I put that in quotes? <laughs> the Switch version of the game was a <laughs> late addition, but its strong performance is a testament, testament to the enduring popularity of the Harry Potter franchise and the quality of the port by Avalanche Software. The success of Hogwarts Legacy on the Switch comes despite the game not receiving any nominations at the Game Awards. So boys, we all checked out Hogwarts Legacy back in February when it came out on PS5 and Xbox and PC. Now it's out on the Switch. Dave, um, you had mentioned at the time, you're like, yeah, I'm going to get to it eventually. And Brandon and I were like, no, we're enjoying this game enough. We're going to buy it for you. Should we have waited for you to play it on the Switch and bought it for you there instead? That would have been funny because if 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 I hadn't played it on on PS5 uh, or Series S, I I probably would have just gone ahead and played it on the Switch, and I would have enjoyed it because um, I think uh, the reason this game is doing so well is it's a really good game, and it's uh, it's obviously a downgrade, but it's it still appears to be a good game that people want to play on the Switch, and a lot of people have a Nintendo Switch in in the uk and europe and asia and all over the world so it's it should be no surprise that this is doing as well as it is um i did i was curious like what the comparables were so i popped over to open critic and metacritic and there are no legitimate like reviews there yet to compare you know what people are saying about the um the switch version but digital foundry um our, our loving friends they do have a pretty extensive video on uh on the switch version and they they, they are calling it the the most um comprehensive one of the most comprehensive downgrades seen in the modern era <laughs> which um <laughs> if you if you kind of watch their coverage is it's it's pretty interesting like, the amount of effort that has gone into ensuring that this thing runs on switch mm -hmm. and i'm saying runs I, i'm not saying runs well mm -hmm. because there, there were a lot of concessions at the end of the day i think it's a miracle that this game is one running on switch and two even somebody made the decision to put it on switch because it it just it's it's an odd choice um but you know it's it's doing well and it's clear that a lot of effort was put into this port um, so yeah, I mean, I'm just happy to see that more people are enjoying this game that maybe only have a Nintendo switch and couldn't have otherwise played the game. So, um, I, I think the other issue is, is like, we're comparing this version to a much more superior version. So obviously it's going to be looked down upon, but again, at the end of the day, um, I'm just happy that everybody's able to enjoy this game because it's really, really good. So, yeah. Brandon, on the um, whenever they did the PS4 version of the game, because we played on PS5, all three of us, but whenever they did the PS4 version of the game, people were showing clips of like, oh, this takes forever to load into a new area. Instead of just bursting through the doors in the castle, you know, you actually have a whole loading screen, which yeah, hey, at least you're still playing the game. Right. Uh, my opinion is that on the Switch, if you get on your broom to try and ride, it has a pop up and it's like, are you sure you don't just want to fast travel? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, Ben, I was looking at what you wrote here and you put Call of Duties in quotes. You should have put quality of the port. You should have put quality in in quotes mm -hmm. instead. Um, yeah. I agree with Dave mostly. I think that it's a net positive for consumers, that it's even an option to play on this. And it is really, I mean, Dave's right. It is running on the Switch. It's not running very well by any means, and it's it, it's very much uh, a lesser experience. But to be honest with you, I can kind of step back from myself for a minute and think, do most people that are going to be playing this that have a Switch even care? Do they even right. know? Are they do, do, do they know about Digital Foundry? And the answer to that is probably no. 
the answer to that is probably no. So overall, I mean, props to Avalanche for even taking on such an ambitious thing. Dave's right. I, I watched the Digital Foundry video as well. There was an extensive amount of work done to even get it functioning. Um, not well, but just functioning. And I guess that's something. Um, you know, Avalanche has done well to kind of support this game and make sure all the other versions of the game are running well. And I guess the Switch hopefully is no exception. Maybe they'll continue to tweak things. But um, clearly it's not the best version of the game. But if it were between not playing the game at all or playing it on the Switch, I think for most people, they still would be just as happy to be able to play it at all. Um, So, yeah, no, this is good news. And I'm really glad it's still selling because it is a good game, even though there was a lot of um, controversy about the game. I feel like the devs worked really hard and the Switch port is no different. Even though it doesn't run perfect, it is an actual miracle that it's running at all, if you ask me, um, with the software. Mm -hmm. Or, I'm sorry, the hardware. So We've got a nickname for The Witcher on Switch. It's The Switcher. (laughs) <laughs> um, what is the name for Hogwarts on Switch? Like, is the trash? Like, I don't know. Is there Foghorts? Hogwarts Legacy? Legacy? <laughs> Legacy? Uh, you know, it's interesting because I'm sure the game is is dramatically decreased in quality. I haven't actually checked it out myself, obviously, but it's interesting because we think of the Switch as like, oh, well, there's low res. It's not um, Switch legs. Somebody in, uh, in, in, in chat says <laughs> it, the police are. Oh my, they're angry out they're there. They're here. Ambulances. They're here. They've come. The um, Switch Wars Legacy. Switch Wars Legacy. Uh, so the other day, uh, my my youngest son wanted to play. He's been playing this um, uh, Sims game. Uh, it's like Sims for kids on his 3DS, which he thinks is the coolest, newest, hottest system in the world. Um, he's been playing it and dude I, yeah. I came over to Ben's house I'm so sorry I came over right. and he was like did you bring your 3DS over and I'm like <laughs> no I have no idea where that fucking thing is it's in a box somewhere man I, I haven't seen it in years no I didn't I appreciate your enthusiasm though yeah yeah it's funny because he was like really when when his older brother would be playing games he wanted to be watching TV and now he my mom found at a yard sale near her work like a, she found the 3ds and like five or seven games with it for 15 dollars, and it's in perfect condition damn so it's a steal of the century but she gave it to him and he's been loving it anyway he's been playing this ea sims game for kids or whatever it's called and um i was like man i think he'd really like animal crossing so i have a i have a switch the oled uh, my son has my original switch uh and then i have another switch the better battery life which i've been intending on selling but i just i'm lazy I guess is the the right way to put it. And so I have this, the, the better battery life model. I was like, you know what? I'm going to load up Animal Crossing on there for him and just let him play it and see if he likes it. Because I'm not giving him my island for sure. And my older son wants his own island. So I transferred my island to my new Switch. My oldest son has a Switch where he can play if he wants to. And as I was going on there, like loading it all, transferring it over, I was like, my God, the load times in this game are so terrible. I can't believe it. The game runs fine. It's perfectly fine. But the, everything that loads, anytime you have to go through a door or load up the, the start menu or anything, it takes forever. And I started thinking, I'm like, you know what? I've been playing a lot of Switch lately with the new Mario games. Mario Wonder runs like a dream. There's almost no loading. It's it's fantastic. Mario RPG has been really good. But then I started thinking back, like even Tears of the Kingdom, pretty long load times. If you go all the way back to Breath of the Wild, 
you have some pretty substantial load times there. And that was brand new at the beginning of the console generation. So Metroid Dread 2D side scroller that I'm currently playing has pretty egregious load times. I don't even know if they're that bad or I just, I haven't experienced load times in such a long time. So, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So it's like, but when I'm playing those games, yeah, it's like, okay, really? I got to wait 10 seconds, which seems <laughs> ridiculous, but it's like, I got to wait 10 seconds for right. this thing to load up. Um, but I guess if you really want to play Hogwarts and you only have a switch, and honestly, the market's right there. That's that's the target demographic, Switch owners. Pre-release, pre-release, I would have said to you, there probably aren't that many people out there, but based on this news story, there are. Yeah. Now, Brandon, this is a little bit off topic, but Dave and I had the, a couple of weeks ago when you weren't able to make it, Dave and I had a, a discussion about uh, Hogwarts being on, or Hogwarts not getting a nomination for the Game Awards. Sure. And you weren't here for that conversation. I just wanted to see if you had anything to weigh in on there. Yeah, I mean, I think that it's probably the safe bet to keep it out of the show just to kind of like dodge any sort of controversy. Um, that doesn't mean the safe bet is the right bet, um, I guess. And safe is subjective as well. Um, I don't agree with that, but um, it is a crying shame that um, there are so many games that are nominated that... Um, I don't want to downplay them, but this game definitely should have been there, um, undoubtedly. And the fact that it was kind of snubbed in all ways is really sad. And it's uh, net negative for the entire industry. I mean, truthfully, uh, because there's many, many, many devs who poured their hearts and souls into this. And it shows when you play the game. I mean, the buzz around this game is fantastic. You said it, Ben. It's like the best selling game of the year. And uh, yeah, it's just sad to see, really. Um I guess that's all I got to say about it. It's, it, yeah. just, it just sucks. It shouldn't be this way, but it is. And, uh, you know, I remember a point when the Oscars started to go downhill. We were watching the Oscars every year, and it's like, I don't want to watch this shit anymore, <laughs> you know? And so it's like, at some point, you know, when more shit like this starts happening, I mean, the Game Awards is all we have right now, right? But at some point, when you keep making bad decisions, it's like how many millions of people bought this game and love it and maybe want to tune in and say, Hey, I want to see how it did. And they're going to be completely disappointed to see that it doesn't even make the cut, which yeah. isn't justified in my opinion. So sure. Um, one comment here I'll read in regards to this, uh, the story I told uh, from Ed says, Brandon, you street street pass Ben's son immediately <laughs> i know street pass 3ds with street pass every single show we went to i brought my 3ds and had the network on for that exact reason that was that oh, was yeah. that was the only time i could get street passes because you know i'm out of high school i'm not in college i got some in college but um street pass was surprisingly one of the cooler features in my opinion just to kind of see where people were from um and i'm Honestly, kind of disappointed they didn't transfer it over into Switch um, because I thought it was really, really kind of nifty. Yeah, but yeah, I'll have to, I'll have to dig it out. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do some digging around and I'll find it and I'll street pass your boy. <laughs> I don't even think he knows. He, I guarantee, he doesn't know what street pass is. Um, well, he's about to. Yeah. He's about to find out. <laughs> He's about to find out. Can you imagine? I was just thinking about Street Pass. I'm like, man, they should do a Street Pass for iPhone or for for mobile devices. And I'm like, then I'm like. It would oh, that's that's called in, um uh, what's it called uh, near field communication NFC <laughs> that's called stealing your identity yeah now. and I would uh, and it wouldn't even be fun because the fun part about the 3ds is you would get like like you would get two or three and it'd be like holy shit that's a lot 
you know how many iPhones I pass a day? It would be like, there would be no rest. It would be like 1,000 in one day because I went to the mall or something. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's move on. This one's uh, relevant to our interest in some ways. Number two, ReadPop is exploring the possibility of selling its gamer network business, which comprises notable gaming media outlets such as Eurogamer, Rock, Paper, Shotgun, VG247, Dicebreaker, and GamesIndustry.biz. The UK-based operation was acquired by ReadPop in 2018, aiming to create a comprehensive gaming events and media group. However, challenges posed by the COVID-19 pandemic, including event cancellations and cutbacks, have led ReadPop to consider selling the gamer network. The gamer network. Notably, this potential sale does not affect ReadPop's other properties in the UK, such as MCM Comic-Con, EGX, and Popverse. I wanted to talk about this a little bit. One, to talk about the, you know, the state of games media and the you know, the probability of all the more and more of these getting sold off and closing and everything else. But also because ReadPop has been in charge of many of the conventions we've loved over the years, including uh, having a little bit of a hand in E3, uh, or they were going to have a little bit of a hand, but PAX, one of our favorite places to go, things to do as a, as a team of, of, of people working on video game stuff. We've really enjoyed PAX. And I just wonder, like, what does this kind of thing signal for the industry at large? And Dave, we'll start with you. Um, I don't know. Maybe do we are we concerned? Is it totally are live events totally different than websites and vice versa? I, yeah. I don't. I, it's it's interesting because the, the wording in the in the news story is they're exploring the possibility, which means that um, you know they aren't necessarily committed to starting to divest some of their assets, or they don't actually know what the real value of these outlets are. Um, it's probably kind of difficult to ascertain exactly what the value of these, you know, different outlets are, which are really good outlets. I mean, we cite from a lot of these quite yeah. a bit um, and, and, you know, I like going to them. So, um, but if they only acquire them in 2018, I can't really imagine that their value has changed much since then. So it's kind of an interesting approach that they're taking with this. Um, it is kind of also surprising to me that this is the part of Repop's portfolio that they are looking to kind of sell because I would think that the impact of COVID-19 and what it's had on the event space would make that kind of the piece that they wanted to move on from. Um, so it is interesting to see that, you know, media outlets, I think are, are generally the sort of things that hold their values, but this is the piece of their business that they're looking to get out of. I will say though, that um, the kind of events that read pop runs are a lot of them seem to be kind of tabletop oriented. And I think that is a little bit more well insulated um, against, you know, the way the industry has gone against in-person events because, mm -hmm. you know, uh, an E3 style event, that's pretty easy to just move online. Um, but, you know, tabletop, that, that's not really easy to make virtual. So I think maybe the value in those events has, has carried on. And I really like that about their events. Um, they've been less like, kind of big business, big publisher focused and more on, again, tabletop uh, trading uh, comics and then like indie stuff. So so I hope that sticks around. I really hope we haven't attended our last PAX or, or Repop related show. Um, but yeah, I, I don't I don't know that this really signals that they are actually going to sell off these outlets because it sounds like they they're they're not fully committed to kind of going through with it but yeah i hope their events stick around i really do because i want to i want to go back to them brandon um 
I think a lot of times when companies, you know, when they let the word slip that they might be thinking about selling some stuff, it's it's a lot of times just they're trying to fish and see if anybody offers them a big chunk of money that they'd be willing to accept. But I don't know. What do you think about the future of um, not just read pop, but you know, live events in general. And then uh, all these other outlets, games, journalism, as traditionally as we know it, uh, what do you think the future is? Yeah, no, I tend to agree with exactly what you just said, Ben. I mean, I think that um, exploring the possibility is, you know, a big difference from us reading the article. that says they're selling. Um, And I think that, this is kind of them throwing out the line. Um, you know, the world economy is kind of down right now, and maybe they're trying to recoup on some lost costs. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't think live events will ever truly go away. I feel like there is no compromise. I feel like we will see a big shift in the way they're ran and how many of them there are. But there is still an interest in this sort of thing. I mean, clearly. Um, and yeah. I don't hope to see any of these publications, you know, go under in any sort of way. We're seeing so much bad news in the gaming industry. The last thing we need is all of these giants to be dwindling away. But um, this coupled with the rise of, I guess, video game ecosphere that has just absolutely skyrocketed doesn't make me worried about games or worried about the, you know them being in the media we just might start to see new things pop around because if these big things are going away i mean games are bigger than they've ever been and year over year they continue to rake in more and more money so even if things that we did love like gaming conferences and these big publications go away new things will come up it might be different but, you know, this sort of thing isn't going away. And I think as long as there's interest in in-person events, which I still think there is quite a bit of interest, even if it changes in the future, um, that I don't think they're going to go away anytime soon. Maybe all of these conferences, you know, we're seeing the big push with the E3s and everyone doing their own thing. But that isn't nearly the same as a consumer conference. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. just, it just isn't at all. So... Brandon, I would trade all of these things, all of the in-person shows, the packs, the the board game shows, which I, you know, have attended a few in the lot in in the previous years. But I would trade all of it for a revival of the PlayStation experience. Oh, Just dude. one time. Just bring it back one time. PSX was. I- I feel so lucky to have been a part of a couple years of PSX. I think I went for three different years at least. Um, man, it was a magical experience. Like, truly, truly, truly an awesome experience. And I I can't say with certainty that I would trade packs for PSX, but I would love a world again where Sony can do this. And mm-hmm. to be honest with you, I don't know that we are ever getting PSX again, man. If we didn't get it for the PS5 generation, I really... I think it's gone and and you know that kind of sucks but um we still got packs whenever packs starts talking about shutting down I'm going to be kind of you know a, a little bit heartbroken because that's kind of where um where we have a lot of our legs as far as the shows we've been to go but um yeah we'll see I would love 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 to go to packs here pretty soon I don't know if we're going to make it next year but that would be pretty cool so yeah that would be cool I agree let's start talking about it yeah, just absolutely. the three of us. Absolutely, we're not taking anybody else. Fuck it. We don't. We don't want to see anybody else. We don't want to be part of them. Okay, just us three. <laughs> Show with thousands of people. We don't want anybody. Yeah, else. we don't want anybody. <laughs> yeah. just, just us. All right, moving on to number three. Ubisoft has attributed the appearance of full screen pop up ads in Assassin's Creed Odyssey to a quote 
technical error. Players reported encountering Black Friday pop-up ads when accessing the map screen in the game, causing dissatisfaction among the gaming community. Ubisoft clarified that the intention was to display an ad for Assassin's Creed Mirage in the main menu of other Assassin's Creed titles, but the error led to in-game menus and displaying the promotion. The company stated that it promptly addressed the issue and resolved it. Such full-screen pop-up ads in the middle of gameplay are rare, and Ubisoft labeled it as a mistake. Dave, you're the Ubisoft expert here, and also maybe the Assassin's Creed expert, quite frankly. How is it possible for this to be a mistake? How is it possible that we meant to put something on the home screen, but instead we made it so every time you pause the game, it popped up? And also, how do you feel about them in general? Um, yeah, so initially when I saw this, I kind of thought nothing of it. You know, Assassin's Creed has, has done this for quite a while where they have like a Call of Duty style main screen. And on that main screen where you first enter the game, you've got you know, some ads for, for in-game purchases, cosmetic items, um, you know, maybe some ads for discounts on past Assassin's Creed games and maybe an ad for like a trailer for like a new game or something. But the more I think about where Assassin's Creed Infinity is going and how it's going to be this living, breathing thing, and a lot of content creators who are really close to Ubisoft are starting to signal that, you know, everything is changing for Assassin's Creed. What if that means that we're start going to start to see like free to play entries in in the series that are ad supported? So you know you don't have to buy anything in an in game shop. You can play the game for free, but you're going to get ads for other Assassin's Creed games or other Ubisoft games or Ubisoft subscription services, stuff like that. So I don't really know how I feel about this. Um, I kind of feel like I'd be a little bit more traditionalist when it comes to these kind of experiences and, and, you know, rather pay for it and not have the disruptions in game. Then again, if it's in a, if it's in a pause screen, like I feel like I can kind of just tune it out. So I don't know. I'm really conflicted about this. I don't think it would turn me off from playing Assassin's Creed, but then what does it do to the quality of the game? Like there's just so much going on in my head, like thinking about what the implications of this could be. But again, if Ubisoft is being truthful and they are, you know, the squeakiest, clean, nicest guys in the video game industry, uh, maybe it's it's true and it was just a mistake and we're not going to see these things in their game. But I don't know. Things are changing with the franchise, so this could very much be, you know, a signal of what's to come for how we're going to consume the Assassin's Creed series. Brandon, Ed in chat says, shout out to the Twitter community notes calling out that this error has happened in a previous entry as well. Yeah. Um, when I heard this story, I honestly could not believe that it was an error. Like, I really genuinely think, you know, the second we get bad press, we double down on it, say, oh, it was a mistake. It was a mistake. And I don't know that they put a ton of thought into it. Maybe it was like, hey, we want it to be in the menu. But the statement stands is that, like, between Call of Duty you know, Activision and Ubisoft doing these things, it really is becoming incredibly egregious as far as self-advertisement goes. It's, 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 it's very self-masturbatory in a way, and it almost is disgusting. I mean, I hate it. It's just like, I know your game's out, okay? If you want to put it somewhere discreetly, fine. Like a little a little thing in the, in the corner of the menu and not like a full-screen pop-up, fine. But it really is... It almost dilutes the experience you're having because they're saying, hey, 
you know, we have something that's newer and better. Pay us more money for this. Don't play what you're playing. What about this? And I feel like that just does a disservice even to themselves. It's like, I know you got to pump the numbers, but um, yeah, it's just frustrating. And between Activision and Ubisoft, these are the two companies that I'd be least surprised doing something like this. 2K also has some pretty bad stuff going on as far as self-advertisement goes and, you know, pumping the numbers on those coins you could buy for basketball and shit. So, yeah, I don't know. It's just the world we live in now. And um, yeah, it sucks. But let's just be thankful that not every game has this yet. So, yeah, it's very common for when a game has either, you know, a new DLC out or it has a sequel out or something like that to in the in the in-game menu or the, the, the menu of the game to put a little blurb that, you know, this is out, buy it through here to get it this percent discount or whatever. Um, and I think I, I agree. I don't like it at all, but I do wonder how egregious advertising another entry in the series is in the pause menu. The thing I worry about, I don't really worry, whatever, but the thing I think about is will they start promoting like, am I going to start seeing like ads for Kohl's in my video games or like, you know, just random assortment of things. I mean, and not just video games. I think well, there if, was you, an if you can use your Kohl's cash to buy some horse armor, then it's, it's not a bad thing. Is it? I mean, I don't know how to feel about that, Dave. <laughs> you just got, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know, man. It, it ultimately is what it is, and I guess um, I guess we should be thankful it isn't worse. We just we just expect the bare minimum now because things just keep getting more and more uh, more and more consumer consume consume consume. So yeah, I don't know. Whatever. I think what's what's starting to drive me nuts in these games is like when I pay full price for a Call of Duty game and I'm having like several, even Halo Infinite does it, when I'm having several in-game prompts that I accidentally hit a button that takes me to buy a battle pass. Oh, yeah. And it's just, please stop. Well, between that and even what Ben said, it's like there is a difference between something being in the corner, right? And just being there. But when I pop open your game and I have to close three menus, like the first experience, it's like press X to go forward. And then it's like one ad for the store, one ad for the next game, one ad for the battle pass. And then you get to the menu. Like, I swear to God, Call of Duty does that shit. And it just, yeah, I don't know if, if I want to buy your shit, I know where to find it. There's a huge icon that says shop. You've made it very clear where to buy shit from. And if you want to advertise to me, they're fine. But I feel like some of these games, like I need a fucking ad blocker for them. And uh, <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's just a little frustrating, but it's like when you log into a website that you haven't been to before or haven't been to in like a year. Right. And all of a sudden it's like this new feature, this new feature, this new feature. Right. And you just click, I did that literally an hour ago. I, I logged onto a website and I hadn't visited in a while and it just, I, I swear it was 30 seconds. I just <laughs> read it, click it out, read it, click it out. I barely even reading them at some point. It's just like, we yeah, had this, this is the promotion going on right now. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, do I even want to click through all these to, to get where I'm going? Right. Um, yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm with Dave about, I'd rather just pay for my games or pay for a subscription. Either way. I'm, I'm okay. Either way, rather than, the free-to-play supported is fine, too, with cosmetics, but I don't like the ad-supported angle of it. And ultimately, everything's an ad. I get it. 
that's just that's the way we are. But yeah. All right, moving on. Number four, Embracer CEO Lars Wingerforce has reportedly acknowledged in a company email that Free Radical Design, the studio responsible for the Time Splitter series, could face closure on December 11th, 2023, following a restructuring plan. This follows Embracer's confirmation of over 900 layoffs during its second quarter. The fate of Free Radical remains uncertain, as it might stay open if third parties express interest in acquiring it. Many Free Radical employees have already indicated their job search, and the potential closure raises questions about the future of the Time Splitters franchise. The studio was reestablished in 2021 to revive the IP. Uh, before we actually went live, actually like an hour before we went live, Trash uh, hopped in chat because the, the thumbnail was uh, was um, Time Splitters and said, ain't no way Free Radical is closing again. Um, but Brandon, did you ever have any experience with Time Splitters or anything like that? No. no. Dave, what about you? I didn't know. Okay. I, uh, I remember checking it out, but I definitely did not play through it the whole way. Uh, but I just think that this is such a beloved series. Um, they did a couple free radical games in the early, it's early two thousands, late night, somewhere in there. They did, they did a couple, um, time splitters games and then they close and then they reopen the, the franchise or the, um, the studio. And I would imagine that many of those people who were there for the original one are not there anymore, but maybe there are a few. Um, who signed on, but I don't know, just another Embracer L, in my opinion. Yeah. And usually when somebody would would uh, be like, hey, we might be closing this, you know, Embracer swoops in and buys them for whatever price they tell them, and then uh, everything's hunky-dory again. But at some point, we knew that had to end, and then maybe that's that's starting to happen here. Yeah, I mean, do we really think, and as someone who has very little experience with the IP, do we think it is an IP that anybody's going to be interested in buying? No. Mm-mm. In 2023, 2024, <sighs> do we... It's pretty It's, it's pretty niche, even... Yeah. Like, I think it was a pit on the GameCube, and that just kind of goes to show what kind of following it had, but no. Yeah. Can't monetize that easily. So, yeah, I, I mean, I really think they're, they're, like, chiseling away at the granite of the gravestone right now for this, just <laughs> by, you know... G- getting everyone ready you know people are starting to look for jobs and i guess this is a lot different than what we've seen what we've seen is just mass layoffs like today and like volition and like you know effective immediately we keep seeing um so i guess this is a little bit different um maybe they know something we don't i mean this signals slightly differently than some of the other things we've even seen from embracer um, so maybe yeah, that's a good point. Maybe they know something we don't about time splitters, or maybe there is somebody out there that they already know is interested, or they probably would have just closed immediately. And who knows? Maybe it's a fiscal year thing. I don't know. But um, yeah, sad to see. But once again, that's kind of like my my running catchphrase is uh, sad to see. But yeah, uh, maybe I'll have to check Tra- out time splitters at some point. Yeah. It- like Dave said, it is pretty niche, but I feel like it's one of those parts of history that at least watching a YouTube playthrough of uh, is probably a good move. So you're, you know, you know the game, I guess. But Trash says Time Splitters was a lot of former Rare employees, uh, which is def- I definitely remember that from back in the day. And he says they had a full remake of Time Splitters 2 in Homefront the Revolution. They never released it otherwise. I did not know that. I didn't remember that. So. Do you think there's Believe any? It. Hey, trash said it. It's got to be true, right? Do you think there's yeah. any possibility that Rare could be interested? No, no, 
uh, Rare would only be interested if Microsoft was interested, and Fair. Microsoft is going to be interested if it's making money. Fair. Let's, right, let's keep in mind that the last game that Free Radical developed uh, as Free Radical was Haze. Yeah. Mm. So the it hit. didn't end well. And then Crytek UK is kind of mm-hmm. what they formed into, and they only just worked on Crisis. So I don't yeah. know. I, I feel and like Crytek the creative put pay in them. I think again, the, and the the creative minds that work behind time splitters are probably long gone or diluted now. So yeah, uh, it's too bad to see. But um, yeah. there's there's a lot of places you can buy game cubes, and I'm sure a physical version <laughs> of this game exists. So, yeah. yeah, there are a lot of places you can buy game cubes for basically the same price they were when they were new. Now. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, no, they're probably like 150 bucks for a good GameCube now, which is crazy to think about. All right, moving on to the next news item, Brandon. I brought this one especially for you, especially for you. The next Subnautica game planned for a 2025 launch was revealed not through a traditional game announcement, but in a craft and financial report described as the next game in the Subnautica universe. It's categorized as an adventure slash survival title, just like the last ones. While specific details are scarce, it's expected to continue the underwater survival formula of the Subnautica series. The announcement follows a trend of game details emerging from financial reports rather than traditional reveals. Brandon, I I don't have anything to prelude this with. Just sound off. Talk to me about Subnautica. Let's go. Um, Huge (laughs) fan of the first one. Um, Huge fan. Um, Super excited to hear this news. I know we haven't really heard anything, and I guess this is better than hearing nothing. I mean, knowing that it is in development is good. I mean, we probably could have assumed that based on how successful the other one was. Um, but yeah, this is amazing. I hope they've learned a lot from Below Zero. Um, I played a little bit of Below Zero, but not nearly as much as the original. Um, Below Zero kind of lacked some of what made the first one so amazing. Um, they made some changes that kind of let's just say took the charm uh, away from the first one. Some of the best parts of the first one, um, they could, like what? Can you give an example? Yeah. It's just the, the map was, was smaller and a lot of things were more enclosed. And one of the best parts of Subnautica is the like open water feel the, like you hear something in the distance and you see a shadow far away. And a lot of the map in below zero is kind of like either underneath ice or there are huge drop offs. Like, don't get me wrong. It's not, it's the same in a lot of ways, but some of the things that made the game, what it was like some of the coolest parts of the game, I felt like were kind of lost on the second one. Um, Mm. And they put some cool stuff in, um, but it just wasn't quite the same. And I think a lot of people felt that way. So I hope they kind of recapture that. I think it's a really, really, really talented studio. Um, And it took them quite a bit of time to kind of get the game where it is now, but they have the talent to get it there. So I'm hoping they kind of let it bake for as long as they need to and kind of come up with another dude. Survival is scary as fuck. You're exactly correct. And that was like the best part of it. Um, So to be like kind of confined, you would think that would be more scary, but like it was such a unique type of scary, the first one. Um, But, you know, I'm super excited about this and I don't know that it's going to happen. And we tried the Subnautica multiplayer mod and our save file got deleted and we never played it again. Yeah. Um, that, I was going to bring that yeah. up. Because I'd really like to go back to Subnautica. We tried playing it together. Right. There is a mod that supposedly works really well and many people report no problems with it. But um, we played, what, maybe three or four or five hours, something like that. And our save file got deleted. And in the crafting game, the worst thing that can happen right. is your progress gets reset. Yeah. So uh, other games, it's like, whatever. Now I know the path. I know how to kill this enemy, whatever. 
uh survival crafting games yeah no. it was like Sorry. it was like we just farmed resources for like hours and built a base yeah. and now it's gone so yeah. yeah we never went back which was kind of sad but i'm just really really crossing my fingers that they heard all of the community outreach like this game would be amazing with multiplayer this game would be amazing with multiplayer and yeah i can attest that you know the first one was not built for multiplayer plain right. and simple and it yeah. in a lot of ways it doesn't even really make sense even the mod it it had a little bit of jank, but it was clearly not built for that. So I'm really hoping they listen to what the people want and see the popularity of multiplayer games um, and kind of kind of lead lead forward with that. Um, but yeah. I'm just hoping for no Battle Pass. That's what I'm hoping yeah. for is <laughs> is no cosmetics. Um, $9.99 a month and you get yeah. an extra free oxygen tank. Right, yeah. So uh, Every time you log in. Dave, have you any an experience with the, the Subnautica series? Yeah, I, I played it on uh, Brandon's recommendation earlier this okay. year. I played yeah. the first one uh, quite a bit. I need to go back and finish it. And uh, so, yeah, this is this is really good news. I think this is like the worst way you can announce a game, though. Um, and, and when I got into Subnautica earlier this year, I got really into the Reddit community because there is a really dedicated yeah. and uh, enthusiastic fan base. So to announce uh, uh, a sequel... Um, like this, I, I don't think is the best way for Crafton to make kind of a good first impression as the new sort of handlers of this IP um, to to the community. So, and that's the thing I wonder is like like Crafton purchased the developer Unknown Worlds in 2021, so that's two years after that Below Zero came out. So what does that mean for the sequel? I mean, we talk about, you know, things that the community would like to see, uh, some of the ways that uh, Below Zero, how it was received, and how could this be kind of monetized or changed? Because, I don't know, Subnautica felt like a pretty pure experience. Like, there wasn't a lot of shitty stuff in it. And I don't know that Crafton is really known for too much of that. I know, you know, they have some of that stuff in PUBG and whatever it may be. But um, I'd be interesting to see how the, the kind of change in publisher affects the sequel. But in any case, um, this makes me really want to go back and finish Subnautica 1 and uh, excited to see what we get with the sequel. Hopefully it's, it's sooner rather than later. Yeah, Crafton published um, Callisto Protocol um, by Striking Distance, which, you know, it's not the most amazing game, but it's a solid linear 10-hour experience. And uh, there was nothing in that game that made me scream like, why did they do this? You know, Battle Pass, whatever. Uh, it's not a live service game. But there were things that, I mean, clearly their funding method was off. They spent too much money. They took too long um, and made it a failure by those accounts. Otherwise, a, a decent game. Um, so I, I also agree, Brandon, that the multiplayer built into the game would be awesome. But I do worry that when you introduce multiplayer, you introduce monetization methods that we aren't fans of. And I get it. That's we're looking at a lot more monetization before our lives are over than, than we are since our lives started. But it just sucks that everything has to. Yeah. Okay. Well, what's like anytime somebody announces a game and they're like, this is going to be a purely single player offline experience. It's like, yeah, but what's the catch, right? It's going to be $900. <laughs> yeah. It's how else are you making your money? So. All right, moving on. It's time to talk about what we've been playing. Uh, Brandon, let's kick it to you first. You and I have a couple things in common. Sure. 
And um, I'll just chime in whenever you're talking about them. Yeah, absolutely. First and foremost, I'd like to say that I continued my journey into the Halo franchise. Um, I don't know if you guys remember, I played Combat Evolved and I beat it a couple weeks ago. And I'm glad to say that I just finished Halo 2 um, with my with one of my good friends in co-op. So I've got to say the co-op experience in Halo is really cool. I'm really grateful to be playing it in this way. I think it's a lot of fun. Um but Halo 2, man, a very, very clear and quick step up in quality in all ways. And I'm not just talking about that it's been repolished through the Master Chief Collection. I mean, everything about the game, the lore is more interesting. Um, the, the, the entire story is more interesting in a lot of ways. It's much more in-depth. Um, the, the, the Arbiter is a super cool character. Um, I had always heard mention of the Arbiter, um, and I only really knew about Chief, but it was really cool to see how that kind of played out and to kind of have the game leave on a cliffhanger is also really interesting. Um, I can't imagine what that was like back in the day, kind of finishing Halo 2 and then being like, what the fuck? <laughs> you know, like yeah. like for yeah. years and years. So um, really, really amazing, amazing, amazing game. Um, I'm surprised because in a lot of ways, I was starting to get a little bit fatigued with Halo. Um, it for its time was monumental do not get me wrong i can appreciate what it was but halo 2 like i said was such a different experience and i think it had a lot to do with the story honestly it was very it was a very clear step up um yeah. and yeah and you never you never played it back in the day no right? no no yeah. yeah this is my first time so um yeah. we're gonna be moving on to halo 3 here pretty soon i've played a lot of halo 3 but i never beat halo 3 um so so that's gonna be you played halo 3 story without playing halo 2 correct that must have been really confusing yeah well i'm i mean i was a playstation family and so the only time i played any of the halos i even remember some of the halo 2 levels i only played those at friend's house so um yeah just just really truly monumental um and kind of sad to see how things have went based on (laughs) you know seeing seeing the legacy played out before me but um yeah looking forward to halo 3 uh but uh next i purchased a couple games i actually purchased like four different games in the past couple days um but one of them was evil west i don't know if you guys know about this game but ben and i checked it out um dave do you know evil west <clears throat> so pretty cool it's like a third person um it's like the the setting of like vampire hunter red dead uh wild west um but the combat is kind of like um combo driven almost like doom a little bit um so super fast paced super action packed combo uh heavy combat um and yeah it's it's pretty good um i don't know what to say about it it's like a perfect in the mid 70s game uh, it very much feels like a 360 game but with like slightly better graphics um and the best part of it by far is the combat i'm just going to lead forward with saying that um but it's also kind of refreshing because it's completely completely linear like a hundred percent linear um there's very few even branching pathways and if it's a pathway it's like you walk a couple feet and then there's a piece of treasure and then you walk back to the main path so it's kind of cool just you know, getting through it and you got action, cutscene, action, cutscene, action, cutscene. Um, and that's kind of interesting because not many games kind of play out like that nowadays. So what did you think, Ben? I know we only played, yeah. th- I know we only played for a tiny bit, but 
Yeah, I I don't remember how I got this game, if it was on sale and I bought it or if I got a code or what, but you asked me about it and I was like, I think I have that in my Steam library. So I hopped in and looked and it was there. And so we fired up, uh, you had already played a little bit. Um, I basically did the tutorial and then we did like one or two levels, um, for lack of a better word, uh, together in the co-op. I really liked it. It's certainly not going to win any, uh, you know, awards uh, except for maybe in my heart. Like it's very much with all the games we play now, it's like either super grindy or always online and, or super, super story heavy. And really, this is just a pure, like beat em up. I know there is a story, but it doesn't matter. It seems like, and it's got that linear feel like you're talking about that. I, I do miss heavily from that 360 generation um, where there were so many games that were like, this is a great 10 to 15 hour experience you're not going to have to find 17 million collectibles, although there are collectibles in the game. Um, you're just, you just play it. And I really, I, I did really like what I played. I obviously haven't got to play too much, but I'm thinking about next time I play it, um, checking it out on controller because I was playing on mouse and keyboard and um, I like the precision and being able to shoot with mouse and keyboard and everything right. with mouse. But yeah. I do feel like some of the combos would just be way easier. Like I have to hit E to shoot my pistol and that just feels so weird to me. And I wonder if just having the ability to have a controller is just going to make it feel better. There's some games that are just designed better for controller. And no, it seems like it might be one of them. I agree. And um, why you should play in the, in the chat is talking about the, the dialogue. Evil West is very much like for better or worse, like just knows that it's like a B movie and it just leans super hard into that. And I guess that's also something that's kind of charming about it. It's kind of one of yeah. those things where like every other line of dialogue, you're like rolling your eyes, but it's almost charming in a way. Um, yeah. It just doesn't take itself too seriously, which I guess is, is, is pretty nice. So my favorite part and spoiler for the tutorial uh, in the tutorial, you're like going along and all of a sudden you run up on this like group of bad guys and your buddy from the first cut scene is there and he's like, let me help you out. And then you don't you, you like beat that section and then you move on through another linear part and you don't see him anywhere. And then you get to the next part and there's like this group of enemies and he's like, I'm back to help you out again. <laughs> it's like, what, where were you? Like, why weren't you traveling with me, dude? How did you get here? Why didn't I take the yeah. path you took? You clearly got here faster. Right. Just stuff like that where it's just. Yeah. And then later that same guy's like guarding a guy and then you, you go through this whole dungeon area and then you turn around and the guy that he's guarding and he are standing like right there, just like out of nowhere. They're just like, hello, <laughs> yeah. we're, we're here now. Um, we're back. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's, it's pretty fun. And I got on a super cheap sale. Very campy. Yeah. Very and, campy. No, no, pretty fun. But um, yeah. last but certainly not least, um, I did play. Honestly, I played literally. I didn't I don't even think I made it to the, the uh, tutorial. I had about an hour before we started this. But I did start Dave the Diver, which is which was also one of the other games that I picked up on. Um, I don't remember if it was on sale. Either way, it's not very expensive. Um, yeah, it's so, like 20 bucks at most. But very very cool um i hadn't even really watched too much of the gameplay of this i knew what him swimming around looked like but i didn't know much more um and i'm really enjoying uh the beginning so far not that i've played too much but i like the whole night and day cycle type of thing um and i wasn't sure how the whole restaurant aspect was going to play out but i kind of just got through my first night at the restaurant and i could see it being a lot of fun so yeah dave on to you what have you been playing Sorry, my daughter was crying, so I just oh, that's all good. muted it, unmuted. Um, 
I not a whole lot new this week. Um, I'm still Metroid Prime. Metroid Dread is taking me a little bit longer than I expected, which is a good thing. It's uh, it's still having a really really good time with it. There are a couple things that are starting to bother me that I thought, like I noticed when I first started playing, and I thought I would have kind of gotten used to this deep into the game. And um, the big one is the controls. So. Um, there are a lot of different like gadgets that you get in the game as you know, with, with any Metroid game. And, um, it's just kind of frustrating me, like how many buttons I have to press to use, like my rockets as an example. So if I want to shoot a rocket and, and aim it somewhere, not in front of me, I have to hold the left bumper. Uh, I have to then also hold the right bumper and then I have to use the left stick to aim and then press why to fire and it's it just i feel like my hands are going in so many different directions and and a compound the issue is like the bosses in this game are really tough like they there are mini bosses that are taking me dozens of tries one because i'm trash but two because um i don't know just like using some of your biggest attacks just takes so many friggin button inputs just to line up Mm. a shot and like you're spending all that time doing that and the windows to attack are so little so um yeah i don't know it's it's not really taking away too much from my enjoyment so really really liking the game and and again not looking forward to it being finished but um yeah little things that are annoying me but in any case it's 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 still um I'm really, really glad I got it and, and finally started playing it. Um, the other thing I checked out this week was uh, Gran Turismo 7, so nothing new there. But um, the game did just have, I think, what is its biggest update um, since its release, and it was a free update. And it adds a lot of really cool new stuff. So you get a lot of the the usual things like you know some new cars. There's a new track in Canada, which is cool. It's in Lake Louise, Alberta. And it sucks because it's a snow track and I don't want to play rally stages in, in a Gran Turismo game, but it's there. So Rep Canada, that's cool. Um, what I like, though, is it adds uh, weekly events. So now when you log into the game, you have a set of, of five or six races that um, you can you can work through and it'll give you a, a bonus set of credits if you clear all, all of the events. And, you know, they start off pretty easy. Like, I think the first event was like a Sunday cup with just regular cars. And it gets kind of increasingly difficult and the restrictions for the cars that you have to use. And, you know, the kind of tires get more difficult. And the last event that I played, uh, and I didn't actually finish because it was too difficult, was um, it was 10 laps on, on Trial Mountain or something like that. But um, fuel consumption and tire degradation were multi- had like 12 time multipliers on it. Ooh. So like it forced you to have to manage your tires, um, change your fuel management system and actually make a pit stop midway through the game. And this there, I don't think there's a single event in uh, the campaign or like the initial set of menus in, in Gran Turismo that forces you to make a pit stop. <laughs> so I really like that there's events that actually kind of incorporate the motorsport part of of Gran Turismo um, because I think that's kind of missing in a lot of a lot of the uh, 
the the vanilla version of the game. So I really like that. I think it's going to keep me coming back to the game. Uh, another thing they've added is a whole new tier of license tests, mm. and I am I am happy to to share that I will not be doing these license <laughs> tests because uh, the base set were were difficult enough. But um, it's cool to see that there's like if you haven't played Gran Turismo lately, I suggest you jump in and see like there is a lot of really cool new stuff. So. Um, so yeah, that's it for me. Um, nice. Yeah. Cool. Um, I've been continuing to play a little bit of uh, Fortnite OG um, with Brandon and some others. And um, I don't have a lot more to say about it other than that I'm just really enjoying going back to the original map and having so much less clutter, so many fewer NPCs, less mini games within the game that you're playing. Um there's still some, it's still Fortnite. There's goofy stuff. There's crazy weapons. There's weird outfits, everything. But it's just really refreshing to go back to like a slightly simpler time. And it's not even the original, original map, uh, but it's, you know, the season one map and, and they're progressing it forward. So I'm enjoying that. And I don't know, maybe I'll get back on to Fortnite every now and then for after, after they do away with OG. We'll see. But it's got about a week left and I'm planning on putting in at least a few more, few more hours into it. I want to report that I am victorious over Mario. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, is OG going away? Was yeah. this just like an event? Yeah, oh. it was just an event. It's yeah. only a couple. Oh. I, I think it's like three or four days, actually. I think it's way less than that. So, yeah, I think it's like the second three or four days left. The second. I, okay. So yeah. like a week Saturday. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, the presumption is that it'll go away permanently, but Maybe I think you know no build was originally a um a temporary uh, yeah. a temporary thing as well. So we'll see. Um, Brandon, I, I I think you've been enjoying it as well. Yeah, no, it's been a ton of fun. Um, we kind of talked about it before, but um, I I do hope they continue to explore this whole bringing back older content. Um, and it does actually stick around. I hope for that as well. Um, because I don't see any reason we couldn't have multiple maps at once, but. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Money, I think money would be you think? the main thing. I don't know. Maybe not. But it just seems like they want to have everybody together in the same environment. Yeah. Um, there's the train. If you, mm-hmm. you guys want to listen to the train for a little bit. <laughs> well, it is your turn to tell us what you've been playing, Ben. So that's unfortunate know, was, for you. That's why I actually asked you how if you've been enjoying it, because I heard it coming. And I was like, well, <laughs> yeah, oh, my God, it is so loud tonight. Uh, It's always louder at night. Mario Wonder, I have been victorious. I told you guys last week that I was going for 100%. After the podcast, I streamed for a little while. I streamed some Sea of Thieves. And then after that, while I was like getting everything ready to upload and things were uploading, I was like, I'm going to hop back in. And I probably put like, I don't know, half an hour into it. And I got further than I'd ever gotten before. And I thought, okay, I got further uh, on this very last part of this very last incredibly long level. Um, it's great to see what comes next. And then all of a sudden I was at the flagpole and I was like, okay, I've spent hundreds of lives getting here. I have to make sure I get the top of the final flag. So that I get a hundred percent completion and I did it first try. Oh, awesome. Bless. So Bless. I finished it up. I conquered Mario wonder suck it, Mario. Um, it's a hundred percent. Of course I gave it to my, my son and like, 48 hours later, he was like, I beat Mario Wonder. Why did it take you so long? And I was like, 
you didn't be, you didn't do it the same. You beat <laughs> yeah. all the levels. I was like, did, did you do this? Easy, like, Dad. Yeah, I was like, did you play the secret levels? What's the secret levels? Did you did you hundred percent them? What do you mean? Did you get the the extra coin? What do you what do you mean? Why why would I do that? I just want to get to the end of the level. I'm like, you have a lot to learn. <laughs> You're not Go play 3ds stuff. with your brother. Okay, <laughs> right. Um, but but once I told him, I'm like, okay. He's like, it, it was good, but it was really easy. I was like, okay. The challenge is, and I you know told him about all the extra stuff. So now he's going back and playing it again. Um, playing more of it, which I really love to see that he wants to go back and discover more things. I think that's awesome. So Mario Wonder is done. So I moved on to Mario RPG, putting a lot of time into the Switch these last few weeks. Um, Mario RPG is fantastic. It's just as good as it's always been. Maybe even some people would say better. I don't know if you can say a remake's better than the original, but hey, everybody's welcome to their opinion. Um, it's it's great artwork. Everything's beautiful. I don't love some of the animations they've fixed and made them look nicer. And I think it takes away from the charm a little bit. And then there's some cutscenes that they've put in it, which I think if I hadn't played the game before, I would like them a lot. But as somebody who wasn't expecting like a cutscene, I'm just like, eh, okay. Like, it's nice that it's there, but I don't know. It's not, it's a remake. Like, I don't know. I don't, I don't always love, I like remakes to bring it up to, um, modern consoles and, and being able to play it now but i don't and on modern hardware but i don't necessarily love the revisionist history with remakes but it's not in any way bad it's just maybe not what i wanted and then they've also added some like different features to make things a little bit easier there's a new power up bar uh that's there that i don't remember being there and i don't think it was there originally but um it's fine everything about the game is great i'm gonna keep chugging through it i'm probably halfway through and i was like i'm gonna put the brakes on this and play some other stuff because uh, I want it to last and I want to, I wanted to actually play it, play it. And um, it's nice because like there's parts of it. I remember and I like know what boss is coming next and they all, oh, they've changed some of the character models too. a few of them. I've noticed I'm like, this isn't what they look like, looked like back then, but um, which it, once you remember the timing of the old ones and now there's a new character animation, you're like, wait, I just got hit and I shouldn't have gotten hit there because I could have been able to block if I remember it's a whole thing. I'm just being old though. In, in this it's great it's amazing uh anybody who loved the original should definitely play it and anybody who hasn't played it should play it while remembering that it is a remake of a one of the very first rpgs especially mario rpgs so it's a great great time um also my buddy justin um bought me a game called hell let loose i've seen this game before it's basically a, a war simulator um I think it's available on consoles, but I don't know if there's crossplay. Um, but I've been playing it on PC, and we've only played like two to five games somewhere in that range. Uh, no, more like three to five. And that doesn't sound like a lot, but these games are usually like an hour. Like the the war itself, the the battle is like an hour long. Um, so it's really cool. It's super realistic, I guess, if there's such a thing as a realistic war game. Um, but just you know, minimal HUD. Um, Got to run a long way, very slowly. Uh, one-shot kills, no tags over people's heads. Uh, you don't get a notification that pops up and tells you how many points you earn because you got a headshot. Like, just all sorts of stuff. Um, some role player yelled at me when playing that, and I never turned it on again, Trash says in the chat. Uh, fair enough. Is he yelling in German? <laughs> it probably was, yeah. Um, it is it is funny, I will say. There is, like, proximity chat and team chat and, and squad chat, how some people are role-playing it. And you'll be playing, and, like, when you're playing as the Germans... It's funny, but it's not. They're they're role playing, but they're like screaming things that Germans would have been screaming. Um, maybe not in World War One. Uh, is it? 
I can't even remember if it's World War One or World. Either way, some of the role play is pretty funny. Some of it's less than funny. Um, but yeah, there's definitely some people who are like, you're supposed to be doing this. This is your role. And it's like, I'm in a war, dude. And I've never played this before. Give me a break. But it's fun. Um, I'm having a good time with it. But it's not a game that I can play all the time because this is a kind of game that if I really wanted to, I could just get sucked into. And he told me about this other game that has like month long wars that you fight and, you know, people hop in and out and everything, of course. But basically you're playing the same campaign for like an entire month live. And I'm like, that could be real dangerous for me because I could really get sucked into like a a war simulator type of thing. But I'll probably, I mean, I'm sure I'll go back and play that some more, but he really wanted to play it and didn't have anybody to play with. So he just sent me a copy and that was really nice of him. Uh, And then the last thing is uh, Jassant. Jassant is a game that I have actually finished. I started playing it two nights ago and I finished it probably in six hours total. And along with that, I got the hundred percent completion on Xbox, the hundred percent gamer score. It's on game pass. Um, Jassant is a super, the way I'm going to describe it is vibey game. Um, very calm and feeling sedate. The game, the whole game is about climbing and you're climbing the whole time. You're, um, the, I mean, there isn't much more description than that. You're climbing. And of course, different things come into play. Of course you have, uh, you know, you can just grip the rocks with your hands and then you have, um, you have ropes that are all sorts of technical terms that I don't remember because I'm not a rock climber. And then you have to do some swinging and you do some like jumping on these magical beings. And it's, it's really fun. It's, it's super chill. Um, and very like trying to be super artsy. And I'm not saying trying to be as in a negative context, like it is uh, super artsy. And the story of the game is there but you don't get a lot of it unless you're reading all of the, you don't get any of it actually, unless you're reading the, all the collectibles and everything, which is part of the reason I, I went and found all the collectibles uh, because I wanted to know what was going on. And I did that and I still wasn't really sure what was going on until the very end. But normally that would take away my enjoyment of a game is that not having a decent story at all. But for this one, it totally didn't matter because the, it was more about, you know, the, the, the vibe and the experience of it. Um, this kind of reminds me of a game like Gris, Greece, however you want to pronounce it. I don't remember the right way. And so I actually, I texted Dave because I know he always raves about that one. And I, and I thought it was great too, but um, and told him I thought it would be a good game for him. It's just a good chill out game. And there's some frustrating parts in it, but ultimately um, just really relaxing, I guess you could say. And I would definitely recommend playing it with a controller. Uh, I do not think there's a way that you could play this uh, feasibly on mouse and keyboard um, just because, you know, the triggers alone enabling you you to climb quickly are really nice. But yeah, I I would give it a shot. It's on Game Pass. So if you have Game Pass, definitely check it out. Uh, I think it's also on other platforms as well. But uh, I really enjoyed it. And there was only after I so I finished the game and then I looked and there was only one achievement I hadn't gotten. And I was like, so I looked up how to go get it, and it was super easy. I, I could have done it in the moment, but didn't. And it took me maybe five minutes. So, yeah, that's what I've been playing this week. Kind of a, a large assortment of things, but very relevant to my interest. And that's all we got for the show. That's Thank it. you, boys, for joining me. Appreciate it. It'd be weird to have to do the show by myself. You could do it. I could do it. I don't want to do it. 
I don't mind streaming by myself from time to time, but I don't want to. I don't want to do this. But I'd watch just Ben IRL, yeah, <laughs> cool. dude. That's a thought. That's a thought. All right. Thanks again, everybody out there for listening or watching. We appreciate it. Uh, you can find us on Discord at handsomephantom.com slash Discord. You can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash handsomephantom. And if you want to watch us live streaming on Tuesday nights at 7 p.m., you can do that over at Ben is Handsome YT on YouTube. Uh, we'll stick around for just a few minutes to figure out the title of the show and all that kind of stuff, and then we'll be heading out. Um, but we appreciate you being here, and we will see you later. The HP Podcast is made possible by our patrons over at patreon.com slash handsome phantom. The following patrons are at the $5 level or above. Toby Ryland, Edward Walton, Josh Cummings, Jared, Poot, Boots, Passive Pixels Edwin Castillo, Maurice Bays, Htrons, Nuke Dukem, Derek O, Rainick, Christian Snow, Gravelicious, Benji Bop, and Johnny Waffles. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style. All for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.